Section 8 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rood. The Rise and Spread of Christianity a d thirty three by isaac m wise part two the jewish nationality and the jewish law are at their end and the world is the heir to that covenant and to the blessing of god by abraham and his seed with the new covenant the old one ceases it has fulfilled its destiny it was a state of preparation for this period of universal salvation to all who have love hope and faith with adam and the flesh came the sin law and death with jesus the flesh ceases hence no more sin law or death these are the main features of paul's gospel the son of god the theological kingdom of heaven the vicarious atonement the bodily resurrection of the crucified one the abrogation of the law and the beginning of the new covenant he was the first man to utter these doctrines with him christianity begins and he named it but paul knew well that doctrines alone would be insufficient to rouse the heathen world from its demoralized state its dreary and stupid dreams and he resorted to the most terrible and most shocking of all messages he came to the heathens with the terror-striking proclamation the end is nigh the whole earth with all the creatures thereon the whole human family with all its wickedness all its atrocious crimes will be destroyed in one moment all of you men women and children with all your vices and crimes will be suddenly summoned before the eternal and all just you have to go all of you and appear before the omniscient god the end is nigh the destruction of the human family is certain and right before you it will come soon it may come any day at any moment now paul's gospel came in here is your choice there are death and damnation here our life and happiness everlasting god has sent his son in advance of the approaching catastrophe to warn you and he is appointed now to conduct the end of all flesh cling to him and be saved or believe not and be condemned forever so he came to the heathens this was his gospel how did he succeed we will explain after a brief pause all passages in the gospels and the acts which have reference to the above christology to the end of things or against it in which the synoptics most fatally contradict one another are the products of writers long after paul when the attempts to reconcile jewish and gentile christianity were made for with paul begins the new form of christianity and the struggle with the representatives of the old form within ten years he traversed the land from antioch to athens in three different journeys and established his bishopric 
the first Christian congregations among the Gentiles. He organized them fully, with deacons and deaconesses, preachers and prophets, and he was their bishop, their oracle, their revelation, and their demigod. He let his converts believe that they could do wonderful things in healing the sick, driving out demons, prophesying, and speaking with strange tongues, because it served his purposes, although he did none of these things. He gave them the Holy Ghost, i.e. he regenerated their feelings, and pacified their stormy passions, suppressed their brutal lusts, and elevated their aspirations to higher ideals. He did not feel that sovereign contempt for money which the Master did whom he glorified, for he, like the other apostles, took his pay, and argued with the Corinthians, like a good Pharisian lawyer, that bishops and preachers must be paid, an argument well understood by the dignitaries of the church to this day. Wonderful indeed is the progress which Paul made among the Gentiles in ten years. Like a pillar of fire, he traversed the deserts of heathenism. Like a second Elijah, he battled against the priests and prophets of Baal, and conjured down the fire from heaven to his assistance. Within ten years, he laid the foundation of a new civilization, of the reorganization of society on the new basis. He did not live to see it realized, but he saw the new system take root and promise golden fruit. Wonderful, we maintain, was his success, for he was not only opposed by the entire heathen world and by the orthodox Jews, although he proclaimed their God and their doctrines, their religion and their hopes, but was also most strenuously opposed by the apostles and the nascent congregation in Jerusalem, whose master he glorified, and whose cause he made the cause of the world. The dissensions between Paul and the apostles were of a very serious character, and there was ample cause for them. In the first place, he took it upon himself to be an apostle, and they had their college of twelve, to which none could be added, especially not Paul, who had never seen Jesus of Nazareth. He maintained that God had appointed him. God had revealed his son and his gospel to him. But the apostles did not believe it, and never acknowledged him as an apostle. At the end of his journeys, Peter, James, and John, three out of twelve, acknowledged him as an apostle to the Gentiles, but not to the Jews. The rest never did which, of course, was a great trouble and drawback to Paul among his own converts. In the second place, they could never forgive him for the idea of going to the Gentiles. Peter, who had become a pious Essene, and considered it unlawful to go to the house or into the company of a Gentile, James, who dreaded the idea of eating of the bread of the Gentile, and made a hypocrite in this point of Peter at Antioch, and they were the heads of the church, could not forgive Paul's innovation in going to the Gentiles. Paul was sensible enough to silence them by begging money for them, and to appoint the Sunday for collections to be made for the saints of Jerusalem, but it was too much for them that Paul went to the Gentiles.
in the third place he changed their whole religion into a new sort of mythology he made of jesus a son of god of which they had no knowledge he preached vicarious atonement bodily resurrection the end of the old covenant and the beginning of a new the end of all flesh the last judgment all of which was foreign to them not one word of all that had their master told them and they knew only what he did tell them they naturally looked upon him as an unscrupulous innovator they had not experience and forethought enough to understand that paul's success among the heathens depended on that means they were pious men who prayed much believed seriously and had no knowledge of the world as it was in the fourth place they could not possibly give their consent to paul's abrogation of the whole law knowing as they did how their master respected every tittle every iota of the law that he had come to fulfil the law and to re-establish the theocracy how could they possibly think of the idea of abolishing sabbath and holidays circumcision and ablutions all and everything to be guided by the phantom of hope love and faith against which james argues in his epistle with all the energy of his soul those inexperienced saints did not know that the pharisian doctors held similar theories and that paul could not possibly hope to meet with any success among the gentiles if he had come to them with the laws of the jews they were roman citizens who contemned the laws of the barbarians had paul come with the word judaism on his lips he would have surely failed had he come to enforce a foreign law he would have been laughed at as a madman they did not know that paul cared not for a hundred and one laws as long as the essence and substance could be saved and preserved that he held that laws are local the spirit is universal that laws are limitations the spirit is free and the property of all men of all ages and climes that he was determined to drop everything which could retard his progress in the fifth place and this was the worst they could not forgive him for preaching the theological kingdom of heaven a kingdom of israel a throne of david a davidian prince a zion and a jerusalem in heaven and slavery misery and oppression on earth was so new and foreign to them so contrary to what they had heard from their master that they could not accept it what should become of peter's messiah of the hopes and promises connected with the second advent if all at once the whole scheme is transported from earth to heaven it was too much disappointment they could not endure it those men did not understand that paul had carefully to avoid every conflict with the roman authorities he was too prudent to be crucified they could not comprehend that his great object was not to remove the evil at once he intended to sow the seed to bring forth the plant to give to the heathens correct notions of god duty responsibility purity holiness morality justice humanity and freedom which in proper time should necessarily break the chains 
revolutionize the sentiments and elevate the views hopes aspirations and designs of the nations they could not comprehend that their messiah and kingdom of heaven together with his terrible message of the end of all flesh and the last judgment day were means and nothing but means to captivate and reform the heathen his son of god was crucified and resurrected from the dead to forewarn all of the approaching end of all flesh to show that in a little while all the dead should resurrect and the living should be changed to spiritual beings he had been given all power by the almighty to conduct the catastrophe of the world and would be present at the last judgment day but after all that is over the earth and man changed to a new state of spiritual life then the son of god returns the kingdom to the father and god will be again all in all so the son of god was a general superintendent the demiurge for the time being a doctrine of which the apostles had no knowledge and to which they could not give their consent he could not get them to understand that these were the means for the conversion of the gentiles and that he had quite another gospel for the enlightened portion of the community they could not see that among heathens used to apotheosis man-worship and plastic gods ideas to become effective must put on concrete and tangible bodies they could not imagine that the sensuality and corruption of the age required heroic and terror-striking means to rouse and to move the masses and so the dissensions and troubles between paul and the nascent church increased with the success of paul among the gentiles his epistles one and all are polemics not against heathenism or against judaism but against his colleagues in jerusalem whom together with their doctrines he treats in a most reckless manner they could not write to counterbalance paul in fact there were no writers of any note among them therefore only one side of the polemics that of paul is fully represented in the new testament and the side of the jewish christians remained mostly matter of tradition messengers were sent to follow paul to undo his gospel and preach that of the apostles to introduce the law and circumcision among the gentile christians those messengers in many cases succeeded notwithstanding the thundering epistles of paul so his influence was weakened and his progress retarded among the gentiles till finally after ten years of hard work he concluded upon going to jerusalem and if possible effecting a compromise with the apostolic congregation it was a dangerous time for him to go to jerusalem for just then the fanatic high priest ananias had convened a court of his willing tools tried james the brother of jesus and finding him guilty of what god only knows had him and some of his associates executed a bloody deed which cost him his office on account of the loud and emphatic protestations of the jews before agrippa the second and the roman governor therefore paul was cautioned by prophets and friends 
not to go to jerusalem but he was not the man to be frightened by dangers he was the very type of boldness and courage he went to jerusalem to effect a conciliation with the church a synod met in the house of james the apostle who had succeeded the former james as head of the church and paul was told to do that against which his conscience his honor his manhood must have revolted he was required to play the hypocrite in jerusalem in order to pacify the brethren who were angry at him the thousands of jews they said who were zealous for the law and were informed how paul taught the people to forsake moses to give up circumcision and the ancient customs hearing of his presence in jerusalem the multitude must needs come together which points to the jewish christians faithful to the law therefore they advised him to go through the mockery of a purification at the temple to be at charges as they called it with some who had vowed a vow and make the prescribed sacrifices after the purification poor man after so much labor such ardent toils such numerous perils dangers anxieties trials reverses and triumphs after ten long years of such work and such dangers he is not safe in jerusalem among his own kinsmen and among those whose master he glorified whose doctrines he taught and whose interests he protected how small must he have appeared to himself when walking up the temple mount in the company of the four men whose expenses he paid to be purified with them and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law the man who had defied a world to submit to the humbling dictation of his colleagues who were children in comparison with him this is mortifying to the utmost this is the time of which it is said in the talmud that paul or acker narrated that on passing behind the sanctum sanctorum he heard the bath kol or holy ghost exclaim return all ye forward children all return except paul who has known me and rebelled against me paul never forgot never forgave this humiliation it estranged his feelings altogether from his colleagues in jerusalem and he embraced the first best opportunity to rid himself entirely of his jewish associations the opportunity soon offered while near the temple some jews from asia minor recognized him a disturbance ensued he was arrested and locked up in the castle by the roman commander here the author of the acts brings in a terrible tumult speeches trials a jewish mob with a noble roman stepping in in time to wind up dramatically not one word of which is historical paul standing accused as the ringleader of the new sect who expected the second advent of the messiah could only appear dangerous to the zealous and vigilant roman authorities nothing else was necessary to put his life in jeopardy in the night he made up his mind to appeal to caesar because he was a roman citizen therefore he was sent to caesarea 
to the governor under the protection of soldiers not a sound was heard in his favor among the jewish christians not an angel appeared not a solitary miracle was wrought none dreamed a dream nobody had a vision the holy ghost was as silent as the grave none of all the christians in palestine showed his face when paul loaded with chains was transported from jerusalem to caesarea this silence speaks volumes they did not care much about the innovator therefore paul's epistles from his prison in caesarea are thunderbolts against the law circumcision and his colleagues in jerusalem it is the offended man the wounded lion who retaliates in his anger in caesarea another mock trial is described by the author of the acts there can be little doubt that ananias the seducian high priest who had slain james thirsted also after the blood of paul but it is certainly not true that felix was governor of judea when ananias was high priest felix and festus had been removed from their offices before ananias was made high priest as the authentic sources of history show if tried at caesarea at all which is doubtful because paul had appealed to caesar he was tried before albinus his speeches recorded in the acts contain sentences of paul but many more additions from the author of the acts it matters little however whether paul was tried before albinus or felix or whether there was a trial at all he had appealed to caesar in order to estrange himself from his colleagues in jerusalem and to come before his converts as an expatriated man although agrippa himself had said this man might have been set at liberty had he not appealed unto caesar fortunately he was detained in caesarea when nero in rome put to death the christians in his own gardens with exquisite cruelty and added mockery and derision to their sufferings had he been brought to rome then no angels could have saved his life and no power could have protected him for two years he came to rome in the year sixty five when the cruelty of nero's proceedings against the christians filled every breast with compassion and humanity relented in favor of the christians then it was possible for paul to have a hearing in rome where he lived in a hired house for two years neither paul nor peter was ever bishop of rome nor was either of them beheaded in rome or anywhere else all the legends and myths concerning them are void of truth we know that paul who was then about thirty-five years old wrote from rome epistles in defense of his gospel and against his colleagues in jerusalem in the same spirit as those from caesarea we know furthermore that he went from rome to illyricum where he preached his gospel we know that he returned to asia and wrote the quintessence of his gospel in his epistle to the romans we know that many passages in his epistles were written after the destruction of jerusalem when paul was about forty years old and his principal activity commenced still later in opposition to rabbi akaba and his colleagues we know from the talmud 
that he married and left daughters. We know also numerous stories of Acher or Paul and his disciple, Rabbi Meir. Long after the death of the apostles, the Christianity of Paul and the Messiahism of Peter were Platonized by the Alexandrian eclectics in a semi-Gnostic manner, which gave birth to the fourth gospel according to John, and the two epistles of John the Elder, not the Apostle, about A.D. 160, of which the synoptics have no idea. They had only the Christianity of Paul and of Peter before them. An original Peter gospel, Paul's epistles, and the different traditions of the various congregations were their sources, which they attempted to blend into one system. All the gospel writers lived in the second century, were not acquainted with the particulars of the story, had an imperfect knowledge of the Jews, their laws and doctrines, wrote in favor of the Romans, whom they wished to convert, and against the Jews, whom they could not convert. The third century inherited four distinct systems of Christianity, that of Jesus with the pure theocracy, that of Peter with the Messiah and his second advent, that of Paul with the Son of God and the approaching end of all flesh, and that of John with the Logos and the self-aggrandizing demigod or man-god on earth. The difficulties and dissensions arising from the attempts at uniting all these contradictory systems in one ended with the Council of Nice in the beginning of the 4th century and the establishment of an orthodox creed, the excommunication of the Jewish Christians and the establishment of the Church as a state institution. Then the sword and the pyre established doctrines. On comparison, you will find that Jesus became the savior of the Gentiles by the exertion of Paul, that the means which Peter and Paul adopted for momentary purposes have been turned into main dogmas, that the religion which Jesus taught and believed is partly laid aside, and the rest is unimportant in Christology, but he himself has been adopted in place of his religion, and that the entire New Testament has no knowledge of the Trinity and the Orthodox Creed. On comparison, you will discover that, if any of our modern congregations are Christian, the Apostolic Congregation of Jerusalem was heretic. If the Pope is a Christian, Paul was not. If the Orthodox Creed tells what one must believe in order to be a Christian, then Jesus of Nazareth was a Jew. If the religion and the theocracy which Jesus preached are to become the universal religion, all dogmas must fall, and God alone be all in all. Man must become his own priest, prince, and prophet. Justice must govern the nations. Love must construe the law. Virtue and righteousness must lead to satisfaction and happiness, and man's consciousness of God, immortality, Morals and moral responsibility must be his catechism, his guiding star, his protecting angel in life and death. No dogmas, truth in the name of God. I see it, although it is not now. I behold it, although it is not nigh. A star will arise from Jacob, 
in whose soft brilliancy will shine forth all the great and redeeming truth freedom and humanity justice and love in the name of god are the right religion to strive for them is divine worship to love them is holiness this was the object of paul the means to accomplish that object were the necessities of the age to convert that generation he could not dream of the idea that the means would obscure the object that the servant would occupy the master's seat his was a fearless powerful and unyielding character terribly in earnest to break down the ancient world and create a new one and his success though incomplete was wonderful men like jesus and paul whose great aim was to benefit and to elevate human nature however widely we may differ from them deserve the student's laborious research the philanthropist's most profound admiration the monuments which the human mind rears to their memory great works are the testimony of their authors and great minds are the diadem and honor the ornament and pride of human nature the god jesus and the supernatural paul appear small in the focus of reason the patriotic and enthusiastic jesus and the brave bold wise and mighty paul are grand types of humanity among those hundred stars in the horizon of history which have made the history of the human family End of section 8. Recording by Linda Johnson.